Hello, and welcome back to the Long Distance Love Bombs podcast. I am your host, Dr. Jeremy Goldberg, and my guest today is my pal, Jason Marco, who is also known online as Text Artist, T-E-K-S-T, I believe is the spelling. He is an extremely talented, quirky, brilliant creator who has, for the last decade or so, worked in art. He creates murals on the side of buildings. He does these unbelievably intricate and beautiful prints and pieces whereby he takes quotes from popular sayings and books and he transforms them through his lettering into images. You have to just see it to believe it. Anyway, I should start by saying what you're going to hear on this conversation is not financial advice. Jason and I are not financial experts. We are a couple of knuckleheads who have done a lot of reading and learning and are sharing what we're interested in. So please don't take anything that you hear as gospel or even as truth. Do your own research. Don't throw your money at anything that was said or discussed. Uh, It is just a swap of opinions for your entertainment only. In saying that, Jason and I spend a solid hour or so diving into cryptocurrency, and specifically we talk about NFTs. If you have no idea what that is, awesome. This is the episode for you. I should also say that over the first maybe 20, 30 minutes, it was somewhat meandering and a little bit random. We were having a good time back and forth. Jason describes it as a ping pong match. And then... Towards the halfway point, we start to drop in and really talk about some exciting ideas, some really good stuff. This is such a huge topic. It is such a radical and revolutionary idea that there is absolutely no way that we could cover anything supremely meaningful in just a single hour. It's just impossible. The world is opening up very quickly. There is so much to discuss in terms of background, as well as moving forward all of the applications. But we've done our best to plant some seeds, to share some ideas, and hopefully by the end of the conversation, you'll have a better understanding and appreciation for where the space is going, why it is going to change absolutely everything related to our society, our culture, the way that we do things, our businesses, etc. Um Yeah. Thanks for being here. I hope you enjoy it. And if you've got somebody that you think would be interested in this topic, please do send this episode to them. Or if you have an expert that you would like me to reach out to, hit me up. I've reached out to a few and I'm waiting to hear back, but I'm open to suggestions. Happy to help where I can. Uh, I'm excited to get Jason on here to talk about this space because I've been dabbling for the last year or so, reading, learning, brainstorming, and uh, it's a big one. It's a big one, folks. I'll leave it at that. Okay, without further ado, here is Jason Marco. Jason Marco, welcome back to the podcast. You're I'm, so, I'm so happy to be back. One of the, the few who has made it, made it back in, in one piece. How are you? How are you doing? I'm fantastic. I'm absolutely fantastic. How are you? 
answer. I know we talked before this. Yeah. This is all artificial at this point. I mean, how am I now? Look, I'm, yeah. I'm, ex- I'm genuinely excited to have this conversation with you because I've been wanting to have somebody come on who knows about this topic and about this space because it is the Wild West and absolutely 100% the future as far as I'm concerned. And so I'm stoked to just like pick your brain for an hour and be like, but Jason, what about this? But Jason, what do you think about that? I am, I, I got to say, I'm happy. I'm really happy to have this conversation too. My day, I'd say 60% of my day these days is conversations like this, where it's, it's friends, it's homies, it's people who are interested in the space or whatever. And, and I'm not that much further ahead of anyone. Like really, I dove in full bore. Um, I mean, I started dabbling in like May of this year, 2021 for, for posterity's sake. Right. And, um, really like committed to it full time beginning or like end of July. So I'm that new to this space, but I, my life was set up in a way that I could kind of commit to it fully wind down everything else I was working on and, and just like become a student of the space and figure out where my place could be in all this and how I could help bring other people into the fold. Yeah. Cause I I think it's freaking magical here. (laughs) Like you guys got to get in here, man. Super nice. It honestly, it was one of those. I get, I'm trying to think of a good reference, but like, I would send podcasts of this to, to my friends or they're Tim Ferriss put up a lot of great podcasts early on. He had some guests on that. It just like, that was kind of like provided some aha moments to me. And I'd send it out to, you know, my dad or friends and, and wait with bated breath for this, like, Oh, I see the light too. And let's go. Like, let's, you know, quit our jobs and try this new stuff. And, and was always just, just shocked when people either didn't understand it still or, or yeah. the bug hadn't bit him. Not that that it didn't take something else to to get them, but yeah, it was. It, I realized it was a different space and special, and uh, that I had found an obsession in a way that I hadn't in many many years. So happy happy to be here and happy for it to be happening right now. Yeah, it's like when you give someone a movie recommendation, and you're, you're like, "This is the best movie I've ever seen. You've got to check this out." And then you just don't hear anything back. And then like months later, you're like, did you watch that movie? And they're like, no, like what? Come on. This is, this is the true fact, total nonsense or, you know, not related, but yeah. Bo Burnham's inside. Yeah. Have you, have you seen this? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I watch gonna, it. I'm going to say this, this was, this was the movie last year. Like if you talk to me and around any time when I watched it, like actually, you know, the whole Spotify, like wrapped thing just came out. I was in the 1% of listeners for the album of that movie. Oh, like wow. just a absolute masterpiece. I think it went on to win a couple Emmys. One man show dude locked himself in a, in a room. I mean, at least the narrative is he locked himself in a room and, and created a full Netflix special. And end to end, like as a, as a creator yourself of, of content and things, just m- masterclass in, in production, in writing, in editing, in lighting, like, and songwriting. Could, I could not speak higher to this movie. 
and several friends post it to and just like it's either like hell yeah or it's like i didn't i didn't like it at all <laughs> i didn't like so people will either love it or hate it it's one of one of my favorite pieces of that like just content that i've seen in the last like five ten years it's outstanding can i throw one your way yeah yeah have you seen this is i love that we're like you're gonna come on we'll talk nfts and crypto and it's like bro have you seen this movie uh in and of itself no it's a one-man show by a magician called I think his name's Derek Del Gaudio. Okay. I'm writing you it down. Ha- you have to watch this. <laughs> it is it is a mind-blowing philosophical spectacle. Okay. Yeah. It's a magic okay. magic show, but it's not it's deep. It's uh, it's incredible. Okay. This was when I saw it, I immediately like got my text message device out and was like, "Hey, everyone, 10 people who I most care about on the planet. You have to watch this. And it was just like crickets. Like, ah, well, so now if you're listening to this, what was your one called inside? It's called inside. by Yeah. I remember looking at it and being like, yeah, it's a guy in his bedroom singing songs. Like, is it that, is it that special? It's incredible. Okay. And it, it actually sounds thematically very similar to what you, so we'll see. I want to, yeah. I want a full report. Back we need, when, we need to have you back on the pod be like, okay, let's just, just, just movie reviews. These movie reviews. Okay. My, my qualification for everyone yeah. was like phone down, like phone Impressive. silence. Phone, yeah. Like this one, it is an end to end like arc. It's a, it's a wonderful, it has like references to itself early on. Like it really, have you seen any of his work though? No. Any of his specials? Ooh. Missy, I don't know if you'll like. Well, it's too late, man. It's recorded. It's too late. Okay, but Jason, for people who are listening that didn't listen to you the first time you were on, maybe two, two, three years ago, like how how do you quickly describe yourself? Like, who are you? Just for a bit of context. Like, what's your your deal? You said there weren't going to be any hard-hitting questions. (laughs) (laughs) That... It, that's a definition that I feel like is, has been changing, especially over the last six months. Like I'm a, I'm a maker of things for the last 10 years. I've been lucky enough to get away with making and selling art online. And for a time I, I co-founded and ran a design agency that would make weird things like Kickstarters for nothing and things like that. And um, paint murals write books i mean it's it, i've done a little bit of, i'm i like kind of tinkering with everything i like trying new things and exploring and i think that's part of the appeal of this new space is uh it really seems to cater to what i've been doing the last 10 years which is just tinkering and experimenting and trying things and and that seems to be the ethos of this space at least right now mm. so I'm a, I'm a i'm a maker of things text artist was the was the main brand for the last 10 years and I've been very fortunate with that, like connected with people all over the world. And um, do we have, do you have show notes on your show? I can, yeah. I can drop some links your way. Yeah. And, and the interested, did it, how, how'd I do? How, how was my elevator pitch of myself? It was good. Yeah. I mean, who am I to judge who you think you are? But yeah, I, I, I like that yeah. word tinkerer, like a professional tinkerer, I think is an interesting thing, yeah. but like from my perspective, like you're a 
genius, dude. Like Whoa. your artwork is bananas. And years ago, if, if you've been following me for a long time, when I drove a van around part of America and taught workshops, like Jason is the one that designed that tour poster. And I was like, Hey man, like you could, you know how to use Photoshop. Can you just like put this together for me? And you're like, no worries. And then I get this message back. Like, Hey, so the copyright of the image that I wanted to use is like, but we could change it. And then it became this like literal work of art. And I was like, <laughs> Holy shit. This, I just wanted like some dates on a poster. But yeah, so I think I think you're super talented and um and just a genuinely good dude. Like I like that we're we're pals and yeah um, that we we have the same energy. I feel like if we lived close to each other, we would be hanging out pretty often. All like the time. yo, All the time. swapping movie suggestions. Okay. But yeah. so I think we should start like zooming right back, which is people that are listening, let's assume that they don't know anything about. NFTs and crypto in general. Mm -hmm. I would love for this to be like a 40 minute crash course in like not only describing it, but I think it would be helpful if we could try to communicate why this is actually going to change things dramatically forever. Mm -hmm. Does that feel like a doable challenge? Yeah. I mean, it's something I, I feel like it's such a big landscape and there's so many interesting things happening and it's a 24 seven, like Tim Ferriss and his podcast talked about this, like physiological quickening where, um, I had a friend just earlier this week that I, I had a very similar two and a half hour conversation where he was like, I don't understand anything. By the end of it, he was setting up his digital wallet. Like two days later, he called me. He's like, I can't stop thinking about this. Another day after that, he was like, I'm trying to figure out how to incorporate this into my job. I mean, it was like, and and the text I can show you, just people going, oh, I get it now. I'm obsessed. What can I do? That moment, and and time goes so fast in this space that that whatever we're talking about now either could be irrelevant or it could be the kernel that that you know, or the seed mm -hmm. that turns into the oak tree of this whole thing. So, um, but let's take a stab at where things are today. And and yeah, yeah, we can even start like before we were recording. I think you were saying you have radically transitioned everything in your life creatively and professionally towards the crypto space. Yes. So you are, you are in, like I'm in it. I'm committed hook, line and sinker. I, the, the space there was, um, I, I may reference Tim Paris a lot because he was really, uh, he had a guy Bology on, on the pod. That podcast is bananas. It, that was the aha moment for me. And I actually, I messaged him on Twitter. And, and got a you know fancy red heart back from him, which was like, ah, oh, this is a nice, this is a nice moment. But Bology, four and a half hour podcast, really talked about it was real top level, more Big philosophical picture. musings about kind of the future of crypto and and uh, digital personas and sit. I mean, they covered such a wide swath of things, but it was like, okay, like I really need to commit to this space. I, I was actually like Bitcoin had piqued my interest. I want to say back in 2014, 2015, 2015, few years, like early Bitcoin, Bitcoin was at eight bucks. And I, I, every in, you know, everyone in the space now, I think has a story like this where I had 900 bucks in a, in a cart ready to check out. Have I told you the story yet? No. 
was going to buy 900 bucks of Bitcoin. Uh, it, I set up a wallet, went through all, did all the hard stuff. And I didn't buy it. Just sat in the car. I was like, ah, I got to, you know, pay rent or something like some, I'm sure it was something important and I'm sure it felt like the smart move at the time. And the reality is I probably, you know, had I bought it at seven bucks, I probably would have sold it at 10 because it would have been ludicrous to like, all, you know, make a decent clip. But it just for I, context today, it's at like $50,000 per coin, $60,000 per coin, something like this. So your return would have been substantial. It would have been okay. <laughs> it would have it would have been okay but the, but the reality is i probably yeah. would have sold it you know nine times between now and then totally. so or forgot um, about it or lost it or whatever. yeah yeah i did i was able to track that old wallet down and was like is there anything in that it was like no there's nothing in there but but the space captivated me i think one of the first things that put it onto a lot of people's radar this year was uh people's piece um the everyday piece that went to christie's and sold for 69 million um, but even then that's, that's just more kind of the headline stuff. And, but that was enough to kind of like spark the fire and make me go like, okay, like what is this space? What's going on here? What is an NFT? What's happening? And, and I think if anyone's there now, um, I, I can just throw a slew of links your way, but we can talk about, um, yeah, the, the process and, and shows that, that have really sparked the interest. Are you a Kevin Rose fan at all? Have you listened to any of his? I guess um, he started one called Modern Finance and Modern Finance, great podcast. And he spent so much time talking about NFTs on it. Modern Finance talks about uh, what they call DeFi, so decentralized finance. And he spent so, like, so many of his episodes uh, were kind of NFT centric that he did a totally different spin off podcast called Proof. Um, after this one had only been stood up for, um, a couple months. And so now he runs, um, modern finance, which is really more related to DeFi and investing in crypto and crypto projects. And then proof, which is more NFT centric and he features, uh, independent artists on there and brings them up, like kind of gives them a platform. And yeah. So those just, just listening to that, like my start into this space was just an education process. And what's so wild about this, like it reminds me of blogging days in like 2006, 2007, where everyone is, there are no rules in this space right now, or they haven't been defined. Like the kind of Chris Dixon on a podcast said that uh, he, he talks about this term of skeuomorphism. And the idea was when, when TV came out, right? Uh, the first TV programs were really like a guy sitting in a chair reading into a microphone. Like it was essentially the radio, but just with a visual component because they didn't really know what they could do with it. They didn't know about, you know, setting establishing shots and panning. Like TV hadn't, in his term, uh, TV hadn't developed its own grammar. It was still so new. They were tr everyone was just trying to do the old thing, but better. And NFTs and crypto are very much there now where a lot of the projects, even the stuff I'm working on, I'll be the first to admit, is kind of, attempting to do old things but in a better way and the truly native nft projects and what nfts uh, are capable of haven't we haven't even begun to scratch the surface yet but i know we're we're still too far and people may may not even but may still be like what even are nft so so um well, let's, let's start there then like what's what's an nft what is crypto 
What is all this stuff? What is um, all this stuff? Uh, so let's start with let's start with crypto. Bitcoin is specifically is a way to send payments to people in a cryptographic fashion. So um, in a space where people may want to know the information, uh, I can have my personal information. I can send it to you. In this case, we're talking about money. I can send it through a network of people that you know may be bad actors or may want, want that thing. But I can send it to you in a way that is safe and secure and trustless. So there's no centralized authority. Satoshi Nakamoto, the the famed uh, creator of Bitcoin, whoever he or she or they are, figured out a way to send things without there needing to be a verified, uh, like a central authority who's kind of running running the show. And that's a that turns out is a really big deal. They they started with money. Money was like the hardest thing. And what's wild about that is you can have political, religious affiliations, like all different factions of people who can't agree on anything, but everyone can look at this ledger, this time-stamped ledger. And because of the way Bitcoin is set up, uh, and because of the way blockchain technology is set up, you can look at this thing and you can um, anyone can look at it and verify, no, this is this is the thing that happened. These funds were transferred to this person in this way at this time. And that's never in history been been possible. Now, I mean, crypt- cryptographic technology has been around since I think the like late 70s or 80s, um, including like digital cash like this. Um, but Bitcoin was the one that really kind of cracked the equation and figured out a way to do this in a scalable and truly decentralized way. Is that still top level? Have I have we have we broken it down one on one from a crypto standpoint? I think so. So so Bitcoin um in in some from my perspective mm-hmm. built upon decades of research in various spaces such mm-hmm. as computer science, economics, sociology, etc. Mm-hmm. and is a is a software algorithm essentially that creates like a spreadsheet like for an accounting system that the entire world can view at any time and you could send money to anybody in the world at any time using just the internet mm-hmm. um, and you can trust that the money is there that it has been received and you don't need to know who the other person is or where they are. Mm-hmm. So it is um, protected against government intervention. It's protected against um, people knowing how much you have and where you are, et cetera. It's this like, it's a revolution, right? But it essentially is. it's like a software program around an Excel spreadsheet, which right. is and the, it- the ledger or the, the blockchain technology is utilizing that. Is that the a time, fair? The, the timestamp ledger for 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 Bitcoin and and blockchain in general, like yeah. And then uh, Ethereum came along, Vitalik Buterin um, at nineteen, um, basically took that same tech and figured out that instead of just where whereas Bitcoin focuses primarily on the exchange of currency, their currency, Vitalik had the insight to say we can use this to change not just 
not just currency, but any information. And through Ethereum and through the setup of smart contracts, you're able to trade essentially programmable data. And this is where we start getting into NFTs. Like instead of just saying, okay, we're, we're changing the values of the spreadsheet, you can set up um, smart contracts that execute certain tasks um, given a certain set of conditions. And that that is what the entire NFT ecosystem and this explosion in, in recent years uh, really all has spiraled out of Ethereum more than it has Bitcoin. But Bitcoin still kind of remains the de facto standard in terms of like a store of value. And even though this entire market is hyper-volatile and um, Bitcoin does remain kind of the more stable asset um, of the space, at least right now. Yeah. So like one way I've heard to describe it is that Bitcoin is kind of like digital gold or digital real estate. It's like a store of value. It's like a savings, whereas yes. Ethereum and others are, Ethereum in particular is sort of like the computer for the internet. It like allows people to build things. It allows people to structure things, et cetera. Mm-hmm. It allows for connections to be made, contracts to be made. I think the power of, of this is that it's all automated and it's like autonomously done and it's mm-hmm. it's trustworthy so when you say smart contracts for things like if you buy something if you sell something if you're negotiating something it all goes on to this platform that can be tracked indefinitely at any time right mm-hmm. so basically this is all to say the internet is like on steroids it's kicking up a notch we're having internet magical money. Mm-hmm. We're having internet magical contracts. We're having uh, ownership rights being transferred. It's all happening. And ownership so, is one of the biggest parts of it too. Okay. For sure. So maybe as a, as a primer, let's just leave it at that. But then NFTs are non-fungible tokens. Yes. Maybe I'll just toss that over to you. Yeah. Jason. This is where, so... NFTs introduce two concepts that are super interesting. Ownership and digital scarcity. And that doesn't sound like a big deal. And how can you own a digital thing? And how can you, uh, what is digital scarcity if I can just right-click save as, right? Uh, What NFTs do by utilizing these ledgers, they can set up a system and say, hey, I'm the person who created this thing. And we can verify on the blockchain, on this smart contract, or through these smart contracts, that I was the sole creator of this object. And you can use that as a, this is particularly interesting for musicians, artists, but it will eventually, um, I believe, take over anywhere where contracts are used because having a contract in a system that is immutable and, and in a trustless system like this is, is very useful. Um, you like you said, removing human error from things, I think is is critical. Maybe we can work through an example of the one that you just did. I would love, yeah, we would love to. I'd love to. So NFTs, what they allow for, did why digital scarcity why digital scarcity is a really big deal is um, for the first time, musicians, artists, creators can who create digital work. So I mean an, an audio file or something like that, you can actually put limits on it and you can uh set this new class of ownership now 
in that definition, there are 10,000 different ways that can happen. And the reality is with NFTs, 99% of them that, that are all popping up today, there's some 50 to 75 NFT projects being launched today. And a lot of them are just copycats of uh, project, like well-established projects. But uh, the tech itself is really solid. And what people are choosing to use them for, where they use them as more of utility tokens, where you can basically set NFTs to provide access to private chat rooms or access to events, or you can set up a contract in a way that only people holding certain things in their wallet uh, are able to interact with certain apps or contracts or things like that. It's, it's very, it's very limitless the amount of stuff that these things can do. And like I said, we're only scratching the surface. The project actually just launched my first two. I did my first one-on-one original NFT, and I was just standing up a single piece of artwork, and I put it up on foundation and uh, went up for auction, and a few people bid on it, and and. And it's sold. And that's just like any artist who wants to sell a piece of digital work. Like this is the first time uh, I've been a 2D artist uh, for a long time, but it's the first time I was able to sell an animated piece. Before this, I, I you know, anyone who works in the digital space or works with uh, animation or v- video content like that, or even 3D uh, AR content, things like that, has, hasn't had a platform or a vehicle or a way to sell that. But the bigger, the more, the more important project, and this starts to get into the utility of NFTs, is I did what's called an airdrop, a, a retroactive airdrop. And I pulled this idea from uh, this company called ENS. I was the beneficiary of an airdrop myself, where when I got into the crypto space, one of the first things I bought was a few .eth domains from this company called Ethereum Naming Service. Uh, and I just wanted, like, I own Jason, two A's, because Jason, it's called normally, was already taken. Jason.eth and a number of others for some projects we have upcoming. Well, this company, ENS, changed hands and they said, okay, we're not going to be a corporation anymore. We're going to change into what's called a DAO, a Decentralized Autonomous Organization that's set up in run by the members of this community. And with that, we're going to set up our own token. And when we set up our own, so basically their own currency. And that's a nice way to basically crowdfund. Um, or you can think of it as selling stock in your company um, type thing. And they retroactively rewarded any of their customers. There were 137,000 people that had purchased domains from them. They turned around and gave them uh, a set of tokens proportional to how much they had spent uh, on the platform. So I'd bought a handful of domains. They sent me uh, a few hundred tokens. And it was like when they had their ICO, those tokens were worth uh, a considerable amount. And they have since doubled. And so it was basically like spend a few hundred bucks and got a few thousand back in return. And I could have turned around and sold those, but I believe very firmly in the company. And I thought, isn't that an interesting way to reward your early adopters? And yes, like, is it a marketing stunt? Uh, Yeah, possibly. Like, is it less altruistic and more like just a smart business move in this new crypto world? Possibly. But 
I thought, wouldn't that be cool? Uh, I've had, I've been very fortunate over the last 10 years. I've had several thousand customers and I really want to bring them into this new space. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool if I did something similar, looked into it, not that hard to set up. And I think every artist, creator, writer, musician, anyone should look into doing something like this. Uh, I put out an email to my audience and said, if you've ever bought anything from me at any point over the last 10 years, uh, go on, fill out this form and I will send you an NFT for free. All, all they'll have to do is pay the, the gas fee, depending on what that is on the network by the time it's released. But it's kind of a kickback. It's a way of saying thank you. It's a way of rewarding early supporters. But it's also like very selfishly, it is a way to incentivize, like dangle a carrot and incentivize people to come play in this new space. And it's because this is the sandbox I want to play in. But there's also so many incredible creators that are making amazing things. and. If someone's been collecting my art for a number of years, like I want to shine a light on some other amazing creators that I think are uh, out doing amazing things in this space. And the sooner I think, the sooner I can bring people into the space and whatever I can do to help onboard them into this new weird world, like the better off, the better off we'll be. Does that make sense? I know it's very rambling. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot. There's a lot in that, right? So maybe to back up, the NFT is this idea of a non-fungible token. Fungible meaning that it, it, it can be exchanged. So like a dollar bill is an example of fungible, yeah, something that's fungible because my dollar bill can be traded for your dollar bill, can be traded for a billion dollar bills. And it is the, understood that it is still a dollar bill. It still represents a dollar bill, right? the idea of a dollar bill. Yeah, so like a, st- a stock in a company is another example. It's mm-hmm. like my my stock in Tesla is the same as your stock in Tesla. And like, that's a, an idea of fungible, yes. right? When you talk about a token, that's like a digital holding of some kind. It's a generic term to describe a variety of things. A token could be a, a song, a piece mm-hmm. of artwork, a ticket, any a membership card, all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff, right? And so something that's non-fungible means that it cannot be exchanged for anything else. Like it is unique. It's one of a kind. It stands alone. Mm-hmm. Um, so that it might does be have, like, it does have a value of exchange, but it doesn't have a seamless, like it doesn't have an equal. So gotcha. it's like the Mona Lisa, right? If yes. the Mona Lisa was a digital file and someone, and Leonardo da Vinci was around today and he's like, Hey, I made the Mona Lisa. And like, mm-hmm. I put it on, on the, for sale on this auction house and like Jason bought it. So you could like own the Mona Lisa in theory as an mm-hmm. NFT, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So that's where we're at. And so because it's a very broad term NFT and because it can be utilized in ways related to art and- membership, et cetera, there's, there's like an, an infinite number of ways you can utilize this, right? Absolutely. And Absolutely. so what I've seen is that big brands, big companies, celebrities are getting into this new space mm-hmm. as a way to do all kinds of different stuff. And I think you touched on a few there. You said that you created an NFT as a work of art. So somebody now owns that one of one. There's only one produced. This is it. They've bid uh, money on it and they now own that piece of art, mm-hmm. which is cool, mm-hmm. right? And then also you have airdropped, meaning you just sent 
for free to anybody that has previously bought your stuff, like a free NFT, which is, it sounds like you're kind of utilizing as like a, a membership club card or in a loyalty program of some kind mm-hmm. where in the future, anybody that has this NFT now gets access to whatever magic you create, whether that's a special event, a discount on any art that you're selling, etc. Yeah. And it can't, I mean, absolutely. Now that that's, that's the utility I'm planning. I would say, um, there are, there are limitless uses for this. And, and that's the thing that's super hard to wrap our head around. Like if you think about websites in the 1.0 days, like when, when websites first came out, mm. we hopped on this call and we were talking about websites and say, eventually you're going to have profiles and you're going to be able to share images. But early websites were, were glorified brochures. You know what I mean? It took a long time for people to go, oh, we can set up profiles and we can have people upload their own content. And um, it like took YouTube long- as an example, like YouTube was mm-hmm. way beyond the realm of possibility because the technology simply didn't exist for right. the whole world to upload video onto the internet. At that right. time, as you say, it was just like a pamphlet. It was like, hey, here's my store. Here's my store's address and my store's phone number. And, and I sell mushrooms at my store, right? To go from that in the ugliest text, there's no images, mm-hmm. kind of gross, to then like where we are now is, a, is completely radical and revolutionary. Yeah. So, so where we are now then for NFTs is like that very early days of email absolutely. and the internet. Absolutely. For context for those listening. Right. So NFTs uh, in the media largely get described as, as digital art. Um, but you look to, there, there are certain projects you can point to, uh, two that come to mind. Uh, the first is Gary Vaynerchuk's Friends, where there is an art component. He hand drew a lot of the art himself. Uh, he will be the first to admit that the art isn't stellar because he knows he's a brilliant dude. He knows that it's not about the art itself. He knows for, in his case, he set his NFTs, his NFTs up um, as more utility tokens, and he has this three-year arc where, if you're holding one of his tokens, it's essentially the access access ticket to the event, to his conferences that he's going to be hosting. Uh, but they also some of these NFTs in his collection that he offered up for sale uh, came with one of one one of one kind of experiences. Whether it was one-on-one time with him, Zoom calls, bowling in certain private groups, like access to Gary. He knew that people wanted access to him. He knew that he could capitalize on that, but he also knew that there was value in setting up this piece that people could actually own. Uh, there's another project. Uh, I think Sarah Jessica Parker just stood up her own wine club and you can purchase the token. You're one of the members of this wine club. And just like any other, I don't know if you've ever been a member of wine club, but as long as you're paying your dues, you're getting the wine. And that's just like kind of the value exchange. If you ever wanted to end your membership at a wine club, you just stop getting the wine and that's it. Well, let's take that example, right? And look at Sarah Jessica Parker and, and Gary Vee here. The, the analogy that I've come to describe this as is like, think of going to Disneyland, riding on all the rides. And when you walk out the door, you still have your ticket that has value to someone else. You can turn around and sell that ticket. Like that's, that is ownership. That's true ownership. Now in a, it's a, it's in a digital sense here, but, uh, with the wine club, you can go turn around and sell your membership 
to someone else. With Vayner's project, uh, you could participate in the conference. It's, I believe it's a three-year thing. You participate, you go to the conference, you could hold this thing. Uh, most of the people minted these at an ETH to half, like I think it was one and a half ETH that most of his tokens went for. And I think they're going for eight Ethereum today. So people were paying four or five grand a piece for these. And you cannot buy one for less than 30 grand, 40 grand today. Um, after you benefited from why you bought the thing, it's it's a remarkable, like, I think in time, like give it a couple of years, in time, you will wonder why the thing that you bought or the experience that, you know, the movie you went to, whatever, didn't include an NFT and you just got that service and you just got that thing. Does that make sense? Hmm. Or they just simply all will. Right? Well, I, think, it- I think they will. And if they don't, it'll be like alarm. Like, I think we'll, we'll get to this point of like entitlement where you're like, where, where's, where's the NFT? With this? Yeah. Why don't I get, why don't I actually own this thing? I just get to use this service. Yeah, we're going Fair. back to your, to your description of like, if we assume that cryptocurrency and NFTs today are where the internet was at the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. And how back at that time, businesses were having to create quote, online strategies, mm-hmm. right? It's like, how are you going to get online? How are you going to build a website? How are you going to do this, right? And it was a big thing and a big deal. Whereas nowadays, it's like, you have a business, you're online, period. Mm-hmm. Like, you have a business, you sell stuff, you have a website, you have an email. It's, it's just like assumed, right? Mm-hmm. You have a social media. That was perhaps another big shift. It was like, Hey, are you going to get onto Instagram? Have you heard about the Facebook? And now it's just like, oh, fucking everybody's on it. It's just a given. And mm-hmm. I feel like the way that I'm thinking about it now, where I'm like, I don't know what to do with NFTs. How do I do this? But in a couple of years, it's just going to be a given of this is how you do it. It has to be done. It will. And there's there's a, it does feel like there's a really long road between here and there. And that's in part because the, the like user experience, I, I am a huge fan. I'm a firm believer in this space, but I will tell you right now, um, interacting in this space, even as someone who's like relatively tech savvy is just the word. Like it is clunky. It's much like early web pages. It's Mm. just, it's an absolute pain. It's, uh, confusing it. Everything. There's so much that needs to be fixed before mass adoption is like, before it is this this utopian idea of like everything's going to be NFT. It's like okay, maybe, but uh, right now the learning curve is admittedly steep. And until we have um, kind of easier on ramps and easier ways for people to interact with these things, like these concepts we're talking about are are relatively abstract, and you do have to kind of hold a lot in in your mind to to understand the value. It's not that the value is not there. It's it's that right now whether it's the storytelling or the actual user experience, it's just so new and clunky that we haven't kind of found the way to chip the, the sharp edges off this thing and, and make it more palatable for a wider audience. So that that's part of the reason I'm, I'm so captivated by this space is like helping bring more people into the fold, helping basically develop tools that utilize this and, and showcase this tech in a way that is easier easier to understand and easier to interact with. That's that's kind of that's one of the goals. Yeah, I think the clunkiness 
kind of correlates to an excitement, right? Is because it is still so early and so new. There's this palpable kind of energy that I feel in the space that's like, all right, people are stoked. It's it's a very creative dynamic culture right now. As you said earlier, that ideas are changing rapidly, things are happening very quickly. And as a consequence of that, it feels like um, you're a part of something special, part of something transformative. Yeah. It certainly feels that way. Maybe we can run through a couple examples. I know you did a podcast recently. So you launched a new podcast all about crypto, first of all, which I think is, is interesting. And congratulations on that. Thank but one of the episodes I checked out, you ran through a couple of very specific examples of I think five or six of what mm-hmm. NFTs could be used for. Maybe sure. we could just jam through a few of those. Do you want me to plug the show? Do you want the? I mean, obviously, I'll give you the link, but the show is yeah, yeah. Plug it, man. Uh, another crypto dot show. Um, That's the name of the podcast. Another yeah. crypto dot show. Or you can go to anothercryptoshow.com if you don't yeah. feel like being fancy. And um, it's really like I set that up so that when I dove into NFTs with my audience, I had a thing to point people to. I also through the early blogging days. Uh, reconnected with a lot of those people and and found out um, that several of them are already running their own uh, crypto-based projects. James Moreau co-founded Jet Protocol. Shane Mack co-founded XMTP. Uh, a lot of the people that were creative bloggers in the space back in 2006, 2007 are now standing up their own crypto projects. So it was like, okay, I want to, I really want to set up something that um, I can point people to. And to your credit of uh, uh, you, you were certainly one of the inspirations for the podcast. I remember when you started this, you were just like, I don't know, I'm just going to start a thing, whatever. And I, I even had all the like podcast gear and everything. And it took me until now, until this topic to be like, okay, I can finally start. And when I finally decided to start the crypto podcast, I went from, I think I'm going to do this today to publishing the first episode on anchor on Spotify, on Apple, like within two hours of like, I'm going to do this to recorded it. The first episode in one take. Uploaded Anchor is, God, so, so simple to get something stood up. And um, that's, that's part of the, that was part of the motive. But you asked, so what are the, what are the different types of, of NFT projects right now? And in an art sense, uh, there's the, the most common, the one that, the one that gets a lot of um, time in the press and, and the one that probably gets a lot of hate as well because at this point it's so streamlined and, and easy for people to replicate. So it's called PFP projects and they're, which is short for profile picture type projects. And that is usually some variation of 5,000, 3,000, 10,000, um, algorithmically generated characters, uh, designed with certain attributes. So let's, let's pick, uh, crypto punks is, is by and large the most famous project. It's 10,000 of these faces, simple 8-bit pixelated faces that have different attributes. So some will have different eyes or different types of hair or uh, different accessories, uh, nose rings, whatever, that sort of thing. And from a collectible standpoint, if you think of them as like digital collectibles or, or collectible trading cards, 
the the rarity of each item used like how many of these things have green eyes how many of these things have nose rings whatever that's how the community defines the value of these things when cryptopunks launched they gave away all the all, i believe they gave away all of them if not most of them it took a year for cryptopunks to get up to around a dollar a piece in trading value and today you can't get one for less than 3 400,000 dollars which sounds ludicrous and in some ways it is but when you realize that they were one of the like the genesis project they were one of the ones to figure this out for anyone um there is in a in a system that you can look back on and see these timestamps and verify that these guys were some of the first to do this that that does matter mm. but the the rarity is all defined by the the number of times yeah a nose ring shows up on these things and then that's just how people deem them more or less valuable yeah and i think to add to that with a few more real world examples is, is uh, baseball cards mm-hmm. uh, people collect baseball cards beanie babies all those years ago when it was like they had limited edition runs and people were spending the night outside department stores um there's rare shoes limited edition t-shirts anything limited edition right the rarity mm-hmm. creates value creates perceived value and creates this kind of mania that's mm-hmm. like when you when you acquire that thing there's this like sense of being special or precious right mm-hmm. like was it Gollum's ring <laughs> It's like some of that. It's like, oh, you got one. I've got one. And then also what I've noticed is that there's a bit of social prestige that comes with that, right? If you well, have at, at this point, thing. certainly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At this point, certainly. The, the community aspect is certainly one of the, the biggest elements to this. Um, another example, Board Ape Yacht Club is one of the more prominent uh, projects these days. I mean, um, CryptoPunks have, have kind of reached escape velocity and it, it, they're far from far from attainable. And for a while, Bored Apes were a bit more, uh, a bit easier to get into. They've, they've kind of reached escape velocity as well. But what's happening with the Bored Ape Yacht Club is like two weeks ago, Jimmy Fallon bought in, Post Malone bought two. Like you have all these names, all these people who are buying them. Yes, like in some sense, it is a flex, right? It's a, it's a, social status it's it's all those things but it also um a lot of these give you access to that community so if you're holding this board ape suddenly you have access to the board ape private discord and if you know whether fallon's in there or not if that's something that's important to you you could pop in interact with him like suddenly you have access to uh mm. people in in a new way like it's it's the new studio 54 or soho house or i mean it, it it's the new yeah, it's its yeah. own society. So it's like a membership club. So you've purchased this NFT that uh, that gives you special privileges of a myriad of of kinds of special privileges, right? And I think to your point earlier, we have no idea even what that might mean at some point. It might mean at some point that everybody that owns one of these rare 2000 NFT collectibles is a citizen of this new online world. Or they all buy a chunk of land together in the middle of nowhere, and you need to show it to get into a Burning Man style Absolutely. festival gathering. Like, Absolutely, it can be completely bonkers. 
and that utility is defined by the people that set it up. One of the other things that's super interesting that Bored Apes did, and I don't know if this is true for every ape, but I know that a lot of the people that bought them also um, acquired the full rights to the IP, to mm-hmm. the intellectual property. So now we're seeing people set up Bored Ape uh, like coffee shops and Bored Ape. You know what I mean? Like you can set up, build independent brands on the backs of this brand that it has clout and is established in this space. And um, it's, that's, that's a think, think about, yeah, the utility there. Um, they, there is talk that uh, owners of certain NFTs and there are certain projects out there that the, the next Harry Potter, the next Disney won't necessarily come from a, a conglomerate like that. And it will more come from a community like this of passionate people that have rallied around a certain um, project and choose to steer which direction that project goes. Hmm. Yeah. So you'll see creative studios arise via the anonymous collaboration of people online who all have chosen to be a part of the same NFT community. Absolutely. That's going to be so weird. Already I've seen certain companies when you go to like the about page it's just random drawings or illustrations and, and there's no names, there's no photographs. It's a completely anonymous corporate board of directors. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and most of these are being set up now as DAOs, which are decentralized autonomous organizations. So I'm a part of a couple DAOs. The, the, the main DAO I'm a part of is called Friends with Benefits. And uh, the- Go on. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's really it's less glamorous than it sounds. It's 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 a remarkable group of people though. And the way this org works is anyone can apply to join this thing, but you have to hold a certain number of their tokens. And once you do, you have access to their private community. And if you ever sell your tokens, then you lose access to that community. And in it is a bunch of NFT collectors, a lot of a lot of people that um are kind of day trading and flipping NFT projects, but there are also a lot of people like building really interesting projects. And um, it's a really interesting way. They, their kind of governance and internally, they have a governance committee and people are allowed to vote on certain proposals that go forward. Um, the way these DAOs operate, think of them. Are you, are you familiar with Reddit? Familiar with Reddit? Yeah. Um, Reddit is upvote in the downvote. Yeah, okay. But each Reddit, like uh, subreddits, are individual communities. So if you like dogs, there is a dog subreddit, right? A a DAO is just a subreddit with uh, with a uh, bank account, basically. So all of these DAOs are are centered around a treasury and the community, based on how the DAO has their governance set up can vote to spend that money in certain ways on certain things and, and push certain projects forward. But we are seeing DAOs set up for thousands of different projects and they all kind of look different. Some have governance committees, some have really flat structures where there's no CEO, there's no, um, there's no governing board or anything like that. And it's completely almost like a digital co-op where it's completely member managed. Everyone gets an equal vote in uh, how this DAO continues to grow and evolve and change. Right. And so the DAO, the Decentralized Autonomous Organization. Got it. 
was basically a somewhat formalized group of individuals who are coming together under an agreed upon system or goal yeah or, or goal whether that's like everybody that is here gets one vote whether that's hey we need 60% to pass this thing mm-hmm. i saw one the other day there was a dao of people that tried to buy the original copy of the us constitution i was in it okay <laughs> so talk to me about that <laughs> Uh, Constitution DAO was a really interesting project and it's had a really uh, weird fallout because it didn't work. But, uh, spoiler, but in three, <laughs> in three days, this, this, is, this kind of shows the power of these things. In three days, uh, they raised something like $47 million. So in three days, th- thousands, tens of thousands of people bought in um, spent their digital currency to buy into this thing where they could be a member of this DAO and help help purchase the constitution that was going up there. I think there are 12 or 13 uh, copies of the constitution. Only two are in private, um, private collections or available to be private. And mm-hmm. one of them was going on sale at Christie's. This group of people came together. They set up their own token and they went to like went to auction and actually tried to win this thing at Christie's and ended up not winning um the CEO of Citadel uh which has been very at odds with uh online traders with all this GameStop fiasco stuff which is its own thing but he was the guy that ended up I think he was a bit salty about everything that's been happening. So he's like this billionaire finance CEO guy. And he ended in. up scooping it out. He's like, fuck it, I'll buy it for, yeah. what, what was it, 40, 50 million dollars? I like think that. he, yeah, he paid over 50. He paid over 50. Right, and so then um, this this whole DAO, this constitution DAO that you're a part of, would had thousands and thousands of people who were raising tens of millions of dollars to buy it, suddenly found themselves like, they lost to the billionaire guy. They did. And, and it still, I still think it was a win in that, like, yes, they didn't, they didn't win the auction, but for a group of people to, to self-organize and come mm-hmm. to rally around a certain cause, raise that much money in that short a time, yeah. you know, had, had they won the auction, it, it would have been, you know, but so then, so like for you, like, say, say you put in a hundred bucks and you're like, yeah, I'm part of the Dow. And then you, you're with thousands of others and then you buy the constitution and, and then like, what happens? Like you right. just. So part of it was the flex or the storytelling element of saying, Hey, I was a part of this thing that happened. Yeah. Um, like I was but, there, like I was at yeah. Woodstock, right? Exactly. Exactly. And um, it didn't actually give you fractional ownership. They were very careful not to say you you would get fractional ownership in the constitution um for reasons that they didn't want to anger the sec um and and have that be considered a security and instead uh they said if you buy into this thing and help us do this thing you'll get um a governance vote and help decide where we store you know like where we display it Mm. um so it was more for for the lulls and the yucks and the uh, yeah. But what ended what ended up happening, and and as as happens in crypto projects, like there was a fear of like, oh okay, like these guys could just take the money and run, 
and they didn't. And they, everyone thought they would say, okay, well, we rallied this huge community in a short amount of time. Like, let's, let's go after something else. And instead they decided to not, and they offered a refund to everyone who had bought into this thing. And that wouldn't have been a problem, but this was all done on the Ethereum network and Ethereum right now, uh, transaction fees are absurdly high. So it costs money to buy into this thing. And for a lot of people, the average amount that was kind of put in, by the time you spend the money to buy into this token and to get your money out, a lot of people more or less like, it, it was a zero sum game. Kind of, you kind of lost your money, even though you had the ability to get a refund. The the fees were so high, the transaction fees were so high. Most people uh, didn't, and then for some reason, people started trading these tokens, and they just rocketed up in value for for literally no reason. Um, and people that sold on the top ended up doing really well, and it was just a weird. It, the project spiraled out of control, but it, but DAOs themselves and the fact that people can self-organize in this decentralized way, like it's it really the power of DAOs mm. is nearly limitless. Like for the first time, we can you can set an agenda uh, and rally people around a cause and actually have the funds to drive ideas and progress like that forward. And uh, apology in the in the Tim Ferriss episode of Q1 of this year, they talked. I mean, he really talks about the idea of these kind of digital states and these digital communities. Basically, eventually, in in his eyes, over like being able to overpower um, localized and centralized governments in certain ways. So that's where you get these like utopian. Uh, Mm -hmm. viewpoints and you have all these maximalists that are saying this is going to take over the world and change everything and like it is true to some extent like seeing that constitution thing while it was a funny like i don't know while while it was all for lols right Mm -hmm. um the fact that people were able to organize and assemble that's never been in history that's never been as as easy to do to rally around a certain cause in that way Mm -hmm. now Will this be used for political purposes and things like that? Absolutely. Um, absolutely. But I think it'll also be used to for social good and social change. Mike, just off the top of my head, what would prevent a group from like the nuclear submarine Dow? And you're like, we're going to get a hundred million. And we're going to buy this old Chinese war submarine. Like, fuck it. And do you know what I mean? Like, maybe that's an extreme example of a nefarious purpose, but. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you had. Or an island, like, hey, we're going to no, buy no. an island in Greece and like set there, up that, our own that's, country. That's, that's much better. Yeah, sure. Okay. That's much better. <laughs> the, nu- the, look, the nuclear submarine concept, very possible. Or a tank you, or an attack helicopter, whatever. Sure. Like, you, you, it's, it's a lot of convincing a lot of people. Like, if for some reason. You could convince, you know, the tens of thousands of people necessary to raise the funds to do the thing. Yeah. Um, Could that happen? Theoretically, it could. Um, 
I don't know if there are enough people that just want to see the world burn out there, but I'm an optimist. So I don't, I don't really know. No, I agree with you. I'm just, I'm just like other side of the coin. If you could get people together to like have some lulls and buy the constitution, that's cute and adorable and fun. Mm -hmm. And I know that there's also a darker shadow element of society as a whole and Mm -hmm. lots of individuals who would love to gather anonymously and put their money in towards something that's like not the opposite of that. Yes. Yeah. I think uh, at least right now, I think the overlap between um, bad actors in that way, not that there aren't scammers and things like that, but the overlap between uh, a a well-coordinated group of bad actors who also understands and believes in the tech of crypto. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see how this ages. (laughs) Four years, you're going to be like, bro, I just, I'm in the, nuclear bomb dow uh against the whatever. what is this jeremy goldberg nuclear submarine dow what is oh. this who is this? yeah there's there's only four of us in there but we've got 60 bucks you're like this idea hit me i'm just i'm going i'm running but so maybe this is a, a time to say t- to those listening like uh, because it is so early a lot of this is a scam a lot of this stuff will go to zero dollars uh this is not financial advice don't don't things. invest on anything that you're that you're like listening to 100% us talk about. percent willing to lose. Yeah, yeah. Like at, yeah. at this stage, it's very much like gambling. Uh, would you it say is, there? There's a lot of speculation out there, and look, there are scams out there, but yeah. it's also like Gary scams- Vee's not going to scam you. Like you're not going to scam your your customers. No. Well, like, I'm I mean, not going to scam you. Yeah, my my entire reputation, my entire career right. depends on that project doing well. Gary it has an obsession with empathy and self-awareness and, and building up the brand he's stood up for the last you know decade yeah. that he's it, it's in your best interest to, to see it through. Now there, there are people with far more moral flexibility than I have that that it, it is a tool that does enable um, scamming, especially in this new space when people are trying to understand and figure out what they're buying into or or how this thing works. but um, but there are bad actors everywhere i mean i don't know yeah. I, I i don't think this is there are a lot of people like screaming scam and and it's ponzi scheme and all that and it's i the more time i spend it i don't know anyone that really understand understands the space that remains skeptical of it like the, the more you get in and and see these projects that are going on like when you understand what the guys did at at CryptoPunks, like and see how novel that idea was and that it had never been done before and that it has stood the test of time. Like that, that matters in, in an age where especially 50 to 75 NFT projects in the art space are being stood up every single day. And yeah. 40, 50% of them are just clones of that original project. What's that, that quote about the invention of the ship is also the invention of the shipwreck, mm. right? And so... The invention of email is also the invention of email spammers, right? And scammers. And so there's both sides of the coin are required to have the coin. I like that. Yeah. It's I not mine. It. You could you could look it up. Somebody wiser than say it, it. But Take yeah. It. It's a good it. line. I mean, it might, I don't know. Are you still doing your art or are you just fully in NFT land? Are you doing so, murals and stuff still? Not. I mean, the last mural project I did was the biggest project I had ever done in the mural space but the whole time i was the whole time i was like taking phone calls and meetings about all this stuff 
So I like, yes, I will. I will do murals again. I'm not pursuing them the way I was um, because standing up projects in this space, like I am releasing. Did I show you any of the, I mean, I showed you that you saw the one-on-one, but did yeah. I show you the other one? No, but this isn't going to translate in podcasts at all. Maybe I can show you after this. Okay. But I, I am, I'm working on a series of text pieces that I'll be releasing Cool. Uh, inter- intermittently and and that but this is the medium that i i want to play in now like mm. i you know while all the hype was going through selling the 101 i had some orders come in for you know ink on canvas orders like classic people want gifts for christmas type stuff and it's like the the reality of executing that compared to the reality of bringing nft projects to market like it's just it's so much less effort. And, and what I mean is it's so much less effort in the stuff that isn't creation. Like from an art standpoint, from a creator standpoint, you spend all your time on the craft itself. And then to stand it up is, is relatively simple to where like I'm sitting next to a bay of printers and, and shipping tubes and all that kind of stuff. And to get that one order out the door, I mean, it's going to take me half a day. You know, it's, it's just a different, it's a different pace. It's a different speed. So yeah. I'm working on a series of NFT projects and not all of them are my own art. I'm really trying to push the envelope and, and explore some things that are what we call like NFT native to where it's a project that could only exist in the NFT space. It's a project that uh, leans into the technology and gives people who may not be uh, creative themselves, the ability to kind of stand up their own NFTs and, and things like that. And um, I'm working on standing up as many projects in the space over the next couple of years as I can. But my, as far as art creation goes, like NFTs will be where I'll, it's the sandbox I'll be playing in for the next couple of years. Yeah. So. I love what, it, man. Now, what about you? Uh, it's funny. You had made a comment on, on Insta stories. Mm-hmm. Um, saying oh someone needs to do this yeah in the, co- in the coaching space and i said why not you yeah so why not you well the for greater context that it was around like helping people or to mm-hmm. create some kind of boutique agency to mm-hmm. assist and support those who are wanting to transition their real world communities or even their membership programs into the crypto space Mm -hmm. and like why not me is like simply like it's not screaming at me to play in that sandbox space like i don't i don't feel called to be like the ceo of anything to be honest Yeah, but you could you could i i think what i meant by that was more like lead by example and oh yeah no like you and i should have a conversation for sure (laughs) Uh, i would love to book an hour of your time because i have some ideas and I would love to just brainstorm and and collaborate if you would be open to that. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. I'm I'm convinced that that will be just just like you said with websites early on. Like it will be a tool or like just a part of setting up and running a business will be a utility token based NFT around your product or service. Like 100%. I can't I can't imagine a business three, four years from now, not having that baked into what they're into their offerings. 
I agree a hundred percent. Even just off the top of my head, right? I could create a long distance love bomb DAO, mm-hmm. or I could sell a series of long distance love bombs NFTs to the podcast community, which confers some element of voting right. Where I'm like, hey, who should I have on next week, A or B? And then the community votes, and it's like, okay, let's go. And so it creates some sort of membership or ownership or mm-hmm. specialness that like, it's, you don't just listen to the podcast. You're like part of creating it as an internal vote. Right. So this is just like off the top of my head is like one hypothetical. Right. So there's literally an infinite amount of ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to do it. I just I have no idea to. what it's going to be or how it's going to look or who's going to help or even well, what I think- the next step is. Yeah, being open to it, change like deciding to jump in, and and one of one of the beautiful things about these, this is particularly the membership tokens, is like you don't promise everything up front. Like it's yeah. kind of like, hey, you're gonna buy into this thing. You're they're essentially buying stock in. Like think of it as them buying stock in you. If they believe in you, they believe in your ideas. Um, that feels exciting to me to be like, hey, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, but like here's a hundred NFTs for, for the first hardcore, a hundred people that love me and my work and this podcast. And like, we're going to do something cool together. I assure you mm-hmm. like that element feels really fun. Well, that, and that is the model and, and what's wild. And then we could it do is. it together like as a community. It's like, yes. what are we doing? Yes. Dude. So I, I will, I will say this. I've been making and selling art for 10 years. Hadn't really engaged with my audience for the last like two because I've been running running the agency and there's been some stuff happening as well. Some some <laughs> things happening. Had a couple of kids, been busy, right? Yeah. And um sent out an email and basically said, um, hey, I'm I'm giving away an NFT to anyone who's ever bought anything from me at any point ever, ever, ever. So there's potentially uh, I mean, it's several thousand people, like eight or nine thousand people that that is el- technically eligible to claim this thing. Uh, all you have to do is go on right now and fill out this form. And if you've ever bought anything from me, uh, you'll get one of these air airdropped as soon as as soon as the piece goes live. And the number of people I've had that have come out from the woodwork who who were like, "You did you you designed the piece that went on my wedding cake nine years ago," and like yeah. I haven't talked to them in nine years. Yeah. But all of a sudden they're back in my life. And it was like, it was a nice trip down memory lane to read through all these like hundreds of responses from people that were like, I don't know what this is. I don't know anything about NFTs, but I want to be a part of it. Like yeah. you're giving a, you're giving it's like away a party. A it's like an online party. It's a it's surprise a, party. And you're like, I'll send you the details later. So there's it's an, an excitement. Inc- it's an incredible way to re-engage with your community. And all right. I'm dude, I'm telling you, I'm so grateful to have stood this up and I've had uh, other artist friends approach me and go, man, that was such a great idea. I wish I had thought of it. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, this is the model. Take it, use it, run, do this thing because go, go, I, go. Yeah, because every I, I think I think every artist should do this because the more people we get into the space and the more people you help onboard to the space, like I want to be their I want to be their gateway drug. <laughs> like, <laughs> bro, I'm I'm enjoying it. I'm I'm feeling the high right now. Like I gotta get some more Jason Marco in me. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, maybe that's a good spot to wrap up, but for, for those who want to know more, I'll include links to your 
website, your podcast? Is there anything left to say? Any final words of wisdom? Mm, thanks for having. I, I was happy to be here. I was happy to. I know it was all over the place, and I feel like <laughs> I feel like I know we're like we're going to talk about some one hundred and one stuff. Just get people up to speed, and very quickly it gets abstract and very weird. So yeah. if anyone stayed on all the way to this point, like kudos to you. I hope I hope the bug bites you. I hope you get into this space. I hope you take the time. Like it is just yes. It, there's a little bit of effort to yeah. get into the space, but it's so damn fun. There's so many amazing creators making amazing things mm-hmm. um, that it's it's worth that. It's it's worth like figuring out what this whole next chapter is all about. Yeah, and it's, to go back again to this idea of the internet, the early days. It's like we're at the place now when people are like email. Email is going to be a big thing. And people are like, what? Like, whatever. I'll just send a letter in my mailbox. That doesn't sound very fun. And like, no, you've got to get a website. Websites are going to be fucking huge. And people are like, what do you mean? We have the telephone book. Like, I don't want to learn about websites. Like, you have no idea what's coming. I think, I think NFTs will eventually, like, oh, your, your digital wallet address is eventually going to replace your email address. And that will be the center of the hub of your online persona. And as, as much as we're stoked out of our minds when we get airdropped an NFT or token right now, that will become the new spam. You know oh, what right. I mean? Like, like, and there's already that happening, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Great. Something to look forward to. <laughs> something, something more to, to ignore. But yes. I'm, and, and look, man, I'm happy to talk with anyone that, that wants to dive into the space and learn more. And, and, I think it's I think it's a space worth exploring. So I I thank you for having me on. This is this has been a whole lot of fun. This this pinball-y conversation we had. <laughs> and it was good to just reconnect, man. It's been it's been too long. And uh I'm I'm gonna definitely hit you up shortly to have another one of these conversations, more specifically and more we selfishly about me. Be like, we need to. Bro, can you just throw me all of your genius right now? That would be wonderful. I'm, he- I'm here for you, man. I'm here for you. But I do. I appreciate you. And for anybody listening that hasn't seen Jason's art, uh, you transform words into images and shapes. And it's stunning and unique. Right. And uh, I would encourage everybody to go check it out. And, uh, and like, that's it. Thank you so much as well yeah, for just you, saying yes to this. This was like a random Instagram DM conversation. And I asked you something back and forth. And you're like, I'll just come on the pod. And I'm like, okay, sure, let's do it. And you're like, how about in two days? Like, okay, fine, let's make it happen. <laughs> it's felt very organic. And I appreciate your uh, your fluidity and flexibility with this. This was fun. This was fun. Yeah, we'll, do, we'll have to do it again. Fun. All right, brother. I'll All talk right. to you soon. Peace. Okay. So that's that. That was Jason Marco. As mentioned, I've included links in the show notes to the various things that he mentioned and that we discussed. I hope that was helpful. If you have questions or ideas, please do reach out to me. I am happy to hear them. I am open to suggestions. As I alluded to earlier, I would love to make this more a co-creation and a collaborative expression rather than me pumping out content. So please do hit me up with your opinions. I will listen to them, and they matter. Okay. Well, I think that's all I've got to say about that for now. If you... No, that's it. That's it. 
You're fucking awesome, and I love you, and I'm glad you're here, and thank you for listening.